is here. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Podcast. My name is Luke Kurt. Joining me today, Melody Akles. Welcome, Melody. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. Glad to be here, Luke. Dan could not be here, but what do you expect from the person who we had? It took us years to convince him to actually watch Game of Thrones in the first place. No, seriously, he had some family commitments, so he wasn't able to be here this time. We're going to be discussing the Long Night and the Last of the Starks. The Long Night was the pivotal. Uh, was the pivotal third episode better known maybe as the battle of Winterfell Mel first quick impression Mm -hmm. on the battle of Winterfell before we dive into all the juicy details. So I was seriously stressed out trying to watch this episode, like just leading up to it. I was like, everybody's going to die and I don't know how I'm going to handle it. And I don't know who's going to die and I don't know what's going to happen. And as I'm watching it, you know, it starts off and it gives you this really kind of great buildup of, you know, the night King and the whites are all coming and you don't know exactly when they're coming because it's dark outside and there's no light and you can't see anything. And that was another thing about this episode, especially that it was very dark and pardon me kind of thinks it was intentional because that's how, it was on the battlefield. So, you know, that kind of makes sense, but there are lots of factors that I was not expecting. Really, uh, Melisandre, the red woman, literally appearing out of darkness, coming out of nowhere, because part of me was kind of like, Oh, wait a minute. You didn't die. Like what is going on? And really she kind of saved the day for them in the end, but definitely the battle of Winterfell was long, it was intense and there were things that I was just not expecting. So, and I feel like the next episode kind of had to be a little bit more calm to kind of give it that balance. But, um, I can't wait to dive in more into it. Mo, what was your quick take on the long night? Well, again, first off, yeah. Um, being in the appropriate setting in order to enjoy this this episode, uh, I watched it with some friends, and you know, fortunately for us, you know, we we had the appropriate atmosphere, so it wasn't. Too, what exactly too is the appropriate atmosphere for a Game of Thrones viewing party? So I'm saying th- for this particular episode, uh, we had the curtains drawn, the lights dimmed. <laughs> okay. For a moment, that I thought like I, another kind of party. I, 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 for <laughs> for a moment, I thought you were telling me you were at some of like Game of Thrones themed bar or some sort of like event, like the appropriate venue. I was like, what does that mean? Okay, continue. Well, no, no, no. But 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 at this particular friend, um, they often have um, bingo and some prizes and some Game of Thrones related drinks and food and so forth so it is one of those kind of game of thrones themed parties but for viewing the long night you know we had to make sure the conditions were appropriate um just in terms of the episodes like mel said it was a very stressful episode because you were like there was just so much confusion so much chaos you didn't know who was being swarmed and surrounded at times 
by by the the uh, the whites and the white walkers. I mean, you just didn't know what was happening to some of your favorite characters. And and to be honest, it was just this feeling that at one point, like, okay, I don't think I think this is going to be like a two part battle. Like this battle was going to go into the next episode until we got you know the last five minutes, which I'm sure we'll get to it at some point where, uh, but it was just, it was just very intense and very crazy. And, um, just this feeling of nervousness. And, and quite frankly, I thought, I personally thought the body count was going to be a little bit higher in terms of the named cast members. So here's the thing. And, and we'll maybe sort of segue this into the, just the discussion about the episode, but p- different people have had different theories about this season. And a lot of people thought that it was going to be like more extended with the Night King. And I like I sort of thought that like there might be like my original theory was they're going to lose Winterfell and they're going to have to flee to the Isles, the Iron Isles. But are the Iron Islands, but. I was wrong on that front, but my basic premise of the Night King was not the big bad ended up being true um, in terms of like the season. And now, granted, that's not to say he couldn't come back, but the bo- I sort of felt like the body count was appropriate in the context of who yet has to die. Jamie, when he was being surrounded by zombies and looks like he should have been dead. There's no way that Jamie is going out with zombies. Jamie is going to go out at King's Landing somewhere in proximity to Cersei. That's just how it's meant to be. Brienne is another one of those ones. She's surrounded by zombies. I mean, if under any normal circumstances, both of those two would be dead. Some of them both somehow both of them ended up alive. But in the context of this show and the previous seven seasons, I didn't really actually expect them to die. I I mean, maybe one more person could have died out of all of them. But I'm like, we're only three episodes into a six episode season and no one has faced Cersei yet. And you know that when you face Cersei, the body count is going to be astronomical. This is the woman who blows up citadels. I thought it was sort of in line for me. That was it. But there were a lot of people who should have been dead. By by normal circumstances, these characters should have been dead. Mel, did you think that more people should have died? So going in, I definitely thought more people were going to die. But then I had to stop and think about, okay... Like you said, this is a six-episode season, and the big bad of this show has always been Cersei Lannister. Always. So it has to end with her. So I see why more people couldn't die in Winterfell because they're going to have to die in King's Landing. That makes a lot of sense to me. But like you're saying, Luke, some people should have died at Winterfell because Grey Worm should have died like five times. Right, right. Sam should have died ten times in Winterfell. So... The reason for them still being alive has to pan out definitely at you know it in King's Landing, like especially with what happened in the next episode. I kind of understand why they had to keep Grey Worm alive, but yeah, I, I feel like the body count of the main characters maybe should have been a little bit higher in Winterfell, but it, I feel like it all work out in the end. But that doesn't mean like 
we didn't lose a whole Dothraki army and half of the Unsullied, you know, at Winterfell. So So let's go over a few of the major beats um, of the episode and then dive into them. So they got the signal that the Night King was coming. The Dothraki, the Unsullied, and the people of the North lined up and prepared for battle. Melisandre came out of the darkness, as Mel said, and lit the Dothraki size, are we going to call them? I don't know what they're officially called, um, on fire. And in this beautiful, like, cinematic scene, the Dothraki with their flaming weapons are riding into it, this cloud of darkness and are snuffed out. It was quite impressive. Um, we had a very intense battle on the battlefield. Jorah came running back um, prior to that battle going out. The zombies are closing in on Winterfell. At one point, everybody is retreating back inside, and the the zombies have to be used as a bridge across the the wall of flame that Melisandre... Smart zombies. Right. I'm just saying, well, that's very important. It's not necessarily smart zombies, but hive mind zombies, because they're, they're, what, their actions are not their own. They're being controlled by the Night King. Um, meanwhile, uh, Danny and John are watching from a cliff of some sort that under the normal scapes, you don't normally see cliffs that close to Winterfell, but apparently there's some that I've not noticed before. Neither of them are very good strategists because their strategy with those dragons is not so hot. There was, there was a, there was some aerial battles between the Night King and Danny and John on dragons, which was impressive. The retreat into the castle was intense. Maybe for me, the biggest moment was Leanna Mormont being crushed. Sansa, Tyrion, and the other women and children and Varys are in the crypts. And at one point, the zombies inside the crypts come alive. Arya ends up getting her own little horror breather moment. After all the fighting, we get a breather moment as Arya is sneaking through Winterfell and taking down zombies quietly. A lot happened. Melisandre and Arya meet up. Melisandre reminded uh, Arya of her brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes. And Arya sort of got the idea in her head. I had known, like, before Melisandre and Arya met up, I was like, yep, Arya's going to do this. I It was before that, a little bit before that scene that I figured out who was going to take it down. So much happened. Mo, what, what part jumped out the most to you? And where do you want to start on all of these beats? Well, let's rewind and let's go back to you know like first off i have to say melisandre just riding in there you know that you knew in the tradition of game of thrones someone was going to swoop in at the last second to kind of help them and and you know case in point and this this go around you know we kind of got it before the 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 person showing up before the battle started and i like that for for melisandre you know it's 
in her face, she, you can see that like, this is it for her. You know, this is just shut up. This is just uh, put up a shut up time. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I would have enjoyed perhaps maybe if we got a little reference to her in, in a couple of the previous episodes. But that that's OK. You know, it, the fact is she's here. She's lighting up the size. She's lighting up the barricades. You know, she she's she's playing her role. And of course, later on, when she gives her pep talk to Arya, you know, it, it just it she at this point is the is the, I would say the MVP um, of the episode. Um, you know, she 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 really if, if not for her, you know, she would have not have set those things in motion. Now, in terms of, um, you know, the various fight scenes, as, as I said before, I, and as we had talked about, you know, it was very crazed. And I have to say that I, when it came to the, the dragon sequence of the dragons, um, the, the three dragons, like, kind of colliding, you know, it was, it, at first, part of me, you know, of course, thought about, you know, like, fights with the dragons and how to train your dragon because you know that's 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 a thing um but what i what what i liked about it is is that um if if you go back to the first episode of of this season when you got drawn john first riding um Rhaegal and you know it looked kind of fake it, 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 but um, this time it just something about maybe it was the way they shot the scene. It, 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 it worked for me, and quite frankly, I wouldn't have minded a little bit more dragon on dragon action. Um, but you know, we the plot had to be sped up. We had to get to Night King in place. You know, um, I think Arya really kicked ass. I would have loved to have seen her kick a little bit more ass with her dual weapon that she had before she lost it. And, and quite frankly, you know, we don't ever see that weapon again. I, I'm thinking, you know, has she kind of found that weapon? Because quite frankly, um, going forward, I think that that is a very potent weapon. Uh, I love the the focus, the sort of um, the uh, the scenes in which Arya is like kind of skulking around um, the library and other parts of Winterfell. And, you know, I really think that they did they did the work in that episode to get her to where she needed to be uh, for the final sequence of the show. Now, one of the things that let let me down is what was happening in the crypt. Okay, quite frankly, I think those characters, somebody should have been smart enough to say, hey, the army of the dead's coming. We have dead people. You're going to the crypt. Maybe we should supply you all with some um, Valerian steel weapons, uh, some dragon glass weapons, something to just hold, you know, to stick them. As as, as Arya said uh, to Sansa, you know, you just stick the pointy end <laughs> into them. So, um, but but overall, I I, I think it, it as a viewer, you were really drawn and immersed into the episode. Mel, I forgot one other important beat of the episode, which mm-hmm. was Bran. At the tree with Theon, which we can touch on that too. What did you think of the battle proper, the battle royale for the the castle? So the battle begins, of course, like you were saying before, with the Dothraki ghost and Jorah Marmont 
taking one for the team because, of course, we had to put the brown people in the front to take one for the team and charging off into the darkness with only their swords lit to take on the white army and, and to take on the white walker army. And, of course, the white walkers make short work of the Dothraki. We have Ghost coming back. We have Jorah coming back. And then it is officially on and popping, okay? There are people fighting all over the place. You see our main characters in various situations as for the battle proper. Of course, Danny and I believe John are both on dragons and they are spewing fire all over the place. And there was this really one great scene where you have Sansa and Arya and you see the dragons spitting fire kind of this in their eyes, like the silhouette of it in their eyes and I thought that was such a great shot and I always love everyone's faces when they first see the dragons like doing their thing with the fire everyone's like oh my goodness have you ever seen anything like this it is so just I love watching little things like that so of course we get into the battle proper and our characters who have kind of always been together are also fighting together. Like you have Bryn and Jamie and there's this one point where I think Jamie is getting a little overwhelmed and Bryn sees it and she runs over and she starts wailing away at white walkers. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, they got each other's back even in battle. And we have Sam and Leanna Mormont and they're all fighting as well. And I thought Leanna Mormont for being such a small person with a huge personality, she went out the way that she was supposed to go out, right? She was not going down without a fight. She ends up taking out a giant. She's amazing for such a small person. So I thought that was great. We have to talk about Danny's, Flaw, Danny's fatal flaw of where she thinks that she has the Night King in her sights and she's like, I'm going to burn him up and that's going to be the end of it. And I definitely felt like it was a feeling across the board of everyone watching like, it can't be that easy. There's no way that the, the Night King is going to die by fire. And sure enough, after all the fire clears, the Night King is looking at Danny and Drogon like, that's all you got? Because you're going to have to come with some more if you want to beat me. So I thought that was interesting. And of course, Danny ends up landing on the battlefield and all the White Walkers storm the dragon. She gets thrown from the dragon and you think this is it, this is over. And it's not because of course her Jorah Mormont saves her at the very last second. And then we saw Queen Danny pick up a sword and start helping out Jorah. And I was like, okay, I like this. This is good. But you know, if we're getting really to the battle, like everyone's kind of feeling whooped. Um, I love the little scene where the, we have the hound and the Lord of the light man. I don't know his name, but he always talking about the Lord of the light and the hound is like, why are we doing this? Barrick? We should be. Yes. Barrick. We should be giving up. This is dumb. I don't understand. And there's Aria taking out white walkers left and right. And he's like, we have to do it for her. And I thought that was so great because as much as the hound doesn't like anyone or anything, he kind of has a little bit of a soft spot for Arya. So I thought that was really great. And then, of course, like you were saying before, with Bran and the, the tree and Theon Greyjoy, you want to talk about a character who has truly gone through the ringer from being this cocky kid to trying to take over Winterfell, to being completely broken and working his way back up to being an actual person. And then going out 
like a hero because Theon realized like he was the last person standing with him and Bran um, at the tree because he had taken on all the White Walkers. He was tired. Of course, the Night King is rolling in and all of his generals. And Theon was like, well, I guess is the end. And Bran tells him, hey, you're a good man. And I was like, okay, you earned my respect back for Theon. For that Theon. And Theon tries to charge another Night King and it doesn't work. He ends up dying. And of course, little Arya Stark saves the day. She kills the Night King. Wow. I think at that point I was screaming at the television because it was just like I wasn't expecting it because you think she's going to die and she didn't. So it was a whirlwind of an episode. I will definitely say that. I, I listened to a number of podcasts and I don't remember who which podcast it was on that this was mentioned, but someone pointed out that Bran basically just used Theon because as a three-eyed raven who can see everything, he knew that Theon couldn't beat him. He knew that Arya was going to take down the Night King and he just let him go to his death. Well, well hold on. I'm, I'm going to push back because again, we... We are constantly being told that, you know, Bran gets p- bits and pieces of information. He doesn't, he, it's like he, it's like uh, shards of glass. You know, he's, he has the pieces there and in his mind, he's trying to work to put the pieces together, but they always don't fit to make a complete object. And, and so I, you can make that argument that maybe he knew that Theon, there was a high probability that Theon was going to die. Let, let's be, and, but, and also let's say that maybe he, there was a, there's a one potential possible outcome was Arya killing the night, Star, uh, the, the night King, but he, but I don't think he had the wherewithal or he couldn't verbalize that. Cause it, it that constantly seems to be the thing with that character where he, he is struggling to com- basic communicate basic information. But in the case of Theon, I, I personally, I, I, I think it was just kind of stupid that he just charges at the Night King, you know, the way he did. Like Mel said, is he tired? I think he could have just tried something else first. I feel like he knew there was no way out. That was just me. He feel like, well, if this is the end, I'm going to try to go out as best as I can. And that involves him. I'm going to just try my best. So I don't know. I also want to just point out that Tyrion and Sansa had a little (laughs) bit of a moment in the crypt hiding behind one of the sarcophaguses. Let me tell you about these two, okay? These two set up there, and they're the only ones who had dragon glass weapons going in there. They knew. So at one point, they're sitting behind here, hiding behind the sarcophagus like, you going out there? Hell no. You going out there? Absolutely not. And they pull out their weapons like, I mean, just in case, I got one of these. I, yeah, 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 you got one too. So, you know, we good, right? We just have to hide because I'm not going out here. I ain't killing no white walker. Not near one. Those two crack me up, y'all. Sansa is, because of the daytime Emmys, um, I was not able to watch the episode that came um, that aired last week. Um right when it aired and so being online for social media for the daytime emmys i saw people's reaction coming across and someone had tweeted there's only two people who are actually playing the game it is sansa and it is cersei and i 
as yet, I don't think we've ever had Cersei having to like cringe in fear and hold a knife for her life. Now, granted, she did have the walk of shame, but it's it's definitely an interesting dynamic how Sansa the survivor is going up against Cersei, who, with the exception of a, one or two rare instances, has been on top the entire time. Mo, Mel touched on it. What did you think? of Arya being the one to take down the White Walker. Felt like classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer to me. Um, kind of remind me of um, in uh, season two of Buffy, which when uh, Buffy went up against uh, Angelus, and he was about to finish her, and then she grabbed that blade and just took him out. It was just like that with Arya when Night King had her by the throat. She dropped the dagger, did the little shoot, shoot, Took him out, got him in the chest, and and like Mel said, I started screaming. Like people I was with, we started screaming and yelling and stuff, and we were like just shocked. At, like Arya just put that finishing move on the Night King. Um, but you know, I am really, really glad it was that character. I'm glad. I'm so glad it was Arya to finish off the Night King. Um, it just shows that 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 character's arc her trajectory over the course of the eight seasons, you can see the evidence, you know, that the, the case that was made for her to, to, to finish off the Night King, you know, it, and, and, you know, and people spouting about destiny and all this other stuff. But when you look at and see, it was a character who put in the work to get the skill sets needed to, to, to finish off a, a character such as the Night King. No one else had it except for, for Arya. What did you guys think of the quiet scene that was very horror movie-esque when she's sneaking through Winterfell? Well, well, again, I, I think, you know, in terms of, like, the classic horror tropes, you know, it was sort of, again, this whole episode kind of, there were parts of it that felt like it could have been an episode of The Walking Dead. I mean, let, let's be real. And I think just it heightened, for me, it just heightened the tension. And when you're in a dark room watching this episode you know it it draws you into that environment and they did the director did a really good job of of making the viewer truly feel as if you are in that sequence that you are in that room with that character or you are in that battlefield with that character and um it just kind of made my heart pound because you just didn't know what was going to jump out and grab her so did either of you guys see Liana Mormont being the first of the dead to return as a White Walker on our, our pool? Because uh, admittedly, I, I did expect maybe one or two more people to die in this episode. But I, I'm looking at this, and this is just for the first four episodes. And thus far, we have only had five people die and only one of them turned into a White Walker. I don't know where you guys are on the tally, which we will um, tally up on the actual end of series podcast. But thus far, Theon has died. No White Walker. Melisandre has died. Not a, wasn't turned into a White Walker. Jorah Mormont has died. Did not get turned into a White Walker. Liana Mormont died got turned into a White Walker, and Beric Dondarrion died. That's a pretty small total for the season. 
I wasn't necessarily expecting it for the single episode, but for the season, fewer people are dead, which brings us to last week's episode. Now, there have been a lot of things said about this last episode, the last of the Starks. Um, A lot of fans were not happy with it. If you compare the rating on IMDb, I'm just looking at IMDb because it's an easy list to look at real quick. The first three episodes of the season were 8.3 or higher. The Last of the Starks, episode number four, is it ha- comes in at 6.4. A lot happened in this episode, but a lot didn't. Um, they, the, the survivors didn't bury. They burned their dead. Danny and John face the reality that he's really the true heir. She's terrified of him usurping her, and you could see it from their conversation to the hall where everyone was celebrating afterwards and what she, the move she was making to try and ingratiate herself into Westeros, but then seeing how John just so naturally attracts people to him. She officially um, titled Gendry as Lord Baratheon. John told Sansa and Arya about his true lineage and swore them to secrecy. But like I mentioned, Sansa is the only one who's actually playing the game. So when Tyrion came to her to ask her to try and give Danny the benefit of the doubt. She was like, so what if it doesn't have to be Danny? Cut to Tyrion talking to Varys about the truth, the revelation, and both of them discussing what might happen if Danny didn't make it. Danny in addition to being insecure at Winterfell, arrives in the south, and one of her dragons is killed. That was a shocker. Didn't see that one coming. Masunday is kidnapped when the ships are destroyed and taken back to Cersei. The two queens face out off outside of King's Landing. And Cersei has Masunday beheaded mel Mm -hmm. how did you uh, what did you think of how this episode played out was it disappointing for you or was it or did you sort of view it and this is sort of how i looked at it as they this was moving all the pieces into place for the final two episodes so i feel like with shows like this everyone kind of wants action, 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 action all the time. And you can't do that. It has to be about balance and beats and how you want your story to go. So I knew after we had this huge battle of Winterfell and everything was just insanity, I knew the next episode was going to have to be a lot more calm and it was going to have to move story. And I feel like this episode definitely did that. I mean, we have lots of our characters in really just compromising positions where we have Danny while she's in Winterfell and everyone's celebrating and she's looking in the round the room, like 
and granted, Danny is now at this point just by herself in her thoughts, which kind of is a dangerous place to be. But she's looking around and she's like, everyone's talking to John and they're laughing, they're joking around, and Bryn and Jamie and Tyrion and Gendry and Podrick are all playing this drinking game. And she's kind of like, you know, I got everyone here. The reason that everyone is in this room is because myself and my dragons and the army and I've been pushing through all of this and now look at where I am in the same place I've always been alone. So I thought that was really interesting. Now, granted, I didn't really like the whole scene where Danny's all, I'm not a begging one in woman, but I'm going to beg you not to do this. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Girl, we are not begging. We is too late in the game to start begging for anything so no like what's her name granny tyrell told her you're a dragon be a dragon and that's what i need her to do so i thought that was really interesting um of course we knew i knew as soon as danny told john please promise not to tell anyone who you really are i was like yeah that's not how this works because mr honest over here can't help himself he's gonna tell everybody so and then it's kind of when the scene played out, there's Bran, there's Arya, there's Sansa and John, And he kind of tells Bran to tell Sansa and Arya. So it's like mm, semantics. So when it all comes out that, hey, everybody knows, he can say, I didn't tell them. It was Bran. Uh, sorry to know that that's how gonna, that, that is how that's going to play out. But like you were saying, Luke, Sansa is the only one currently playing the game. Because you see... Sansa learned from the Peter Bayless School of Scheming, and she has a doctorate degree at this point, all right? So as soon as she told Tyrion, which I knew she was going to tell him, as soon as she told him, you basically have told everyone. Because now he's talking to Varys, he's going to be talking to everybody else. I know it's going to happen. So, you know, it kind of creates this conflict now between our main characters who prior to this episode have all been on the same page the last couple of episodes they knew they had to defeat the white walkers so now there's going to be maybe kind of this infighting this kind of deceit so that's setting things up and then of course when danny and her army are like okay we're gonna go like let's go get cersei i was like yeah it can't be that easy so i definitely did not expect Euron Greyjoy to be the one to take out a dragon, but it happened that way. And when the dragon gets the first, I don't know what you call it, spear, I think, in in the stomach, I was like, okay, maybe this will be like last time where we can just stop and get it out and be fine. And then he got that spear to the neck, and I was like, well, that's the end of that. So I, I think it definitely helped set up a lot more story in terms of Cersei because, you know, now we definitely have our who's on this side and who's on the other side. But I do think it's going to come down to, of course, King's Landing is going to get destroyed. I definitely see that happening. But I do think someone is going to come in at the last minute. Like, I can definitely see Yara Greyjoy showing up in her couple of ships and helping out and maybe some other people. But it's going to be interesting the way it all plays out. Mo, what did you think of this episode? Were you disappointed? Well, I felt that this was a mixed bag, you know, and and like Mel said, you know, you had to have that episode where it couldn't, it had to be a balance between the character stuff and and couldn't be all action. And, you know, and and like you said, Luke, about that you had to have a transitional episode. This was a clunky transitional episode. I think part of it was 
the dialogue, particularly in, in which the female characters like Danny and Brienne, and we haven't even touched upon. Right, that's coming Brienne up. Brienne and Jamie are later. coming up after you talk about the rest of the episode. That's what's coming up next. Tease for the so, next segment. So, you know, you got these powerful women, you know, in these positions where I, you swear to God, it's like an R&B album where they begging and pleading. And it's like, I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And and like you said, Mel, Danny and her thoughts is a dangerous place. Because she's not part of the clique. And it was a very cliquish episode, especially in that scene. Um... And, um, you know, where they were celebrating in the hall and everybody had just got to go into their respective um, their respective corners. And, 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 no, and nobody was there for uh, hanging out with Sansa. And I'm like, where was Masande at this point? You know, I'm like, where was Grey Worm? I mean, like, I mean, you would expect them to at least be maybe with her trying to comfort her, especially after Jorah's, you know, Jorah's died and everything, and it was just, it was just something missing there. Now, (laughs) now, getting to, you know, as I like to call it, or somebody else pointed out on Twitter, you know, when the Starks get together, and they they more like called it like, um, how the Beatles were dealing with uh, with Yoko, um, (laughs) You know, it. I I just you you knew it wasn't gonna air well. I'm sorry, but I knew I knew from the minute John opened his mouth about you gotta swear to me that you not gonna tell. I was like mother. I was like you knew. I'm like I literally was thinking there's a there's an extra Game of Thrones scene that's been cut out in which Sansa's got her hand behind her back with her fingers crossed like mm-hmm, we will see. I was I was like she is going to tell and she's gonna tell within the next before this episode Sansa's gonna tell somebody. Hell, it wasn't even <laughs> ten minutes later she to go go to, uh, to Tyrion and say, "Child, let me tell you something. John is." Is the true air? I was like, "What is this? Is this so? Are we in the hood? Are we? Are we somewhere where the grandma's on the porch gossiping and spilling some tea? Because I swear, I felt like I was, I was having a flashback when people were spilling tea. Um, but you know, like you said, Luke, Danny knows how to play the game. She's setting it up. You know, well, hey, why can't the Starks run the board now that we got a Stark? Uh, tie, um. Targaryen air, you know, we can run this table. The stars can just run everything and win, and win the Game of Thrones. And that's how she sees it, and I get that. But at the same time, it, you, you, you ask them, you playing with fire, Sansa, and chaos is going to ensue from this. Now, um, that scene, though, in which they're talking, in which Danny is like, feels like they need to march down to, um, to King's Landing now, Sansa was perfectly right, uh, was correct. Her strategy, they should have just waited. I think Danny was in her feelings because she wasn't part of the clique. She's not part of that Stark clique. 
And, you know, for her, it's like, you know, we got, I got, I got control over John right now. You know, um, he wrapped around my finger, you know, wrapped around my legs, whatever, however you're going to say. I I just really felt like if she had come out of her feelings, had, had, had really thought this through a little bit better, you know, you got one fully, one dragon at full strength and another dragon that's um, wounded and in heat and on the men. That's not you don't go up against Cersei, you know, with with a depleted army plus your your dragons, you know, on, on the on the disabled list. Well, and she's also in her feelings because let's face it, Danny is not a great strategist, and thus far, she's been a little bit of a grim reaper for her advisors. Think about it: Cal Drogo's dead, Granny Tyrell is dead, Jorah's dead. Masandre's dead. You know Grey Worm's going to bite it next episode. I mean, that's, there's no question. I mean, that's going to happen. Like, well. I mean, it's just, I mean, and I sort of feel like that may be playing into the insanity you're starting to see in her eyes or we've seen in her eyes in the last couple episodes. Let's talk um, real quick about what may have been the biggest fan service moment of the episode. Brienne and Jamie finally get some good good from each other. Mel, they got the good good. Let me just set the scene for you, okay? So, of course, we have Jamie, Bryn, Tyrion, Podrick. They're playing their drinking game. And, of course, Tyrion calls Bryn out because we know she all haven't had none because she's been busy, all right? She's been busy kicking ass and taking names, okay? So we understand. So as soon as Jamie hears this, because it has been my opinion that Jamie has wanted Brynn ever since all those seasons ago, they were captured together and they were in the hot tub and she stood up because I don't think I ever forget that look on Jamie's face when she stood up like, oh, he was like, girl, I didn't know you had it like that underneath all that armor. So I already knew what was about to happen. Okay, so of course Brynn runs away because she's a little bit embarrassed. And Jamie's like, oh, well, time to swoop in. Let's make it happen, Captain. Okay, so as soon as Jamie gets into her room and he's like, hmm, it's hot in here. Let me take off my jacket. I knew he was running game. I knew it was happening. And I was like, oh, Brynn, you don't know what's about to happen to you. And then, of course, he starts taking off his shirt. She, he tries to take off her shirt. She's like, um, uh, it, it, really? This is going to happen? This is going to be a thing? Like, we're going to do it for real? Yes. So, of course, Jamie, Jamie Lannister, King Slayer, and now Brynn of Toth Cake Slayer made it happen. And, and then he dumped her. Okay, okay. So I have a theory on this, okay? You see him, of course, this is a few nights later, and they're in bed again. So, hey, he been getting it in on the regular at this point with Brent. I can't be mad. That's a whole lot of women. So, anyways. So, you know, we see him at the edge of the bed, and he's thinking and contemplating, and he gets up and leaves. And we see Brent see him leave. And now we have Brent of Toth outside in a house coat. Okay? And here's Jamie trying to get his horse together and get all these things together. He starts saying these really awful things, kind of recounting his history of all the awful things he's done. And Bryn's telling him, no, stay here with me. And I'm like, oh no, Bryn, this is your first taste of the D and you already sprung off of the D? 
no, girl, no, all right? Let's just, let's not do this. And she's like, you're not an awful person, so on and so forth. And Jamie's like, yes, I am, and I'm leaving. See you later. It was real. And she he leaves, and then we have the powerful Brynn of Toth outside in her house coat crying over a one-handed man. And I <laughs> was personally disgusted by that scene, but that's just me. But I do think that Jamie he said all of those things to her on purpose because he doesn't want her to follow him to, to King's Landing because everybody's like, no, Jamie's going back to Cersei. Blah, blah, blah. No, I think Jamie's going to kill Cersei because he's kind of another one that has had this total full circle moment because really we got to know Jamie Lannister in Winterfell when he pushed Bran, Bran off of the tower and paralyzed him for life. So of course I feel like his journey kind of he started so awful and really came back to Winterfell to save Winterfell is kind of almost complete, but he realizes there's this one piece of the puzzle that isn't quite right. And that's Cersei. And he has to handle that. So I kind of think that's really part of the thing, but I really did not enjoy seeing Bryn of Toth, who has just been so strong and so awesome crying in her house coat over this man i was not i was not about it i was okay with it until the house coat scene uh, mo what did you think of brianne and jamie <laughs> man, man it just took it home for me i was just like i was happy they got together i was like well i'm sure this is gonna last you know, but I was like, damn, I thought it at least lasted an episode, more than one episode, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, of course, you know, but, you know, after everything happened, after the house probe scene, Jesus, I just, I I just had to pray on that one after, <laughs> I was like, why is she, I, I was just like, turn your heels and, and, and head on back to, back into it. And then just like forget him, you know. So I'm but saying, you was fine before him, and you'll be fine after him. And that's what we're telling I need you to have Bryn. Yes. Well, well the-, the question would be: Is will Tormund return from the True North to mend her heart? Um, Jamie is headed south, as are Arya and the Hound. They have a little conversation in which Arya says she doesn't think she'll ever go back to Winterfell or return to Winterfell, which uh, may be a bit of foreshadowing. I, if you, I mean, obviously, should be interesting to see how that plays out. So, as we wrap this episode up, Mel, mm-hmm. will the final villain in the final episode be Cersei or Danny? Cersei. Cersei has always been the villain. She will always be the villain. Mo, will it be Cersei or Danny in the final episode? It needs to be Cersei. It, it, I mean, to turn Danny into a into the true villain of this would be a tragic a travesty. A travesty. Excuse me. I think it could be Danny. I think that they have shown her to be someone who knows her power, grows into her power, and then does not realize that she's repeating the exact same behaviors and patterns of those who became before her. And so for me, I feel like that's a complete arc for her. That's my theory for Danny, but we'll see if it actually plays out. 
We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. And Mo is at Dr. Mo 77. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.